0: Once again, congratulations to uh, Spencer and Mitchell, to their family, so excited for them. Um, You know, they had actually requested would it be possible for me to get them both by the nap of the neck, baptize them at the same time. Of course, if you know the James boys, you would know that's pretty typical there. But anyway, I told them, no, I might drop you. So uh, anyway, what a joy it is uh, to see them make this step. I want to invite you, if you would, to turn to Matthew 28. If uh, you're just now returning from holidays and so forth, just want to say Happy New Year to each one of you. Some of you are saying, man, he's got a tie on today. Yeah, my mom gave me the tie and the shirt, so I had to wear it today. So later I get a picture and say, hey, I really like it, you know. But anyway, and I really do like it. I'm not just saying that. But we've been studying together in the Gospel of Matthew since last June. And we uh, haven't covered every single verse, but we have covered every chapter. And so it's been a joy for me to uh, preach through this uh, gospel of Matthew along with Josh appreciate the last time he gave a great Thank you for that summary of uh, the gospel of Matthew. It was excellent So uh, I won't take the time this morning to do that But I will remind you that when we first started what we said was that the theme would be follow me follow me You know we are we are commissioned to make disciples that's what we should be doing as parents. That's what we should be doing as a church family. That's, wh- that's who we are, that's what we're about, is following the Lord Jesus Christ as his disciple. And so this morning we come to this last message in the series and we examine the last chapter, Matthew 28. This chapter highlights two huge biblical priorities. The first one is the resurrection of Christ and the second one is the Great Commission someone has said about the resurrection of jesus christ that the resurrection of jesus christ was the most unique event in all the world nothing else compares with it his resurrection is the ultimate proof that he is the son of god all four gospel accounts agree that he is risen from the dead and so I understand that all that we've been through in uh, 2020, as we enter into uh, 2021, that it's hard to find your motivation, but I pray that as we review the resurrection, as we go into the Great Commission, that you will find fresh motivation and enthusiasm to serve our Lord in the Great Commission. You know, I want to remind you that the church is the body of Christ we are his arms we're his legs we're his heart and so whenever god moves in this country or in any other country you know who he uses he uses the church he uses the people of god he uses the disciples of the lord jesus christ and when he speaks he's going to speak through someone who knows him someone who is his disciple and so knowing that nothing moves forward unless we, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, unless we're working with God and God's working through us. That's why today I'd like to make a comparison. I would like to say that the the body of Christ, the disciples, the local churches, and so forth, we are similar to an automobile transmission. You see, you can have a nice color on your car externally. You can have a very powerful engine You can have a new set of tires, you can have a great sound system, you can have a really plush interior. But if you've got a transmission that's failed, your car, as cool as it is, it's not going anywhere. Nothing moves without the transmission. It's not the power, the Lord is the power, but we transmit the power into something very powerful. When I was growing up and I was a teenager, when I got ready to leave to go to uh, seminary, I think it was, that's when I decided, Dad, I just, I appreciate my Ford Pinto, but it's so little, and I'm gonna be having friends with me all the time. I'd really like to get a bigger car. And so my dad said, okay, son. He said, you've been saving your paper route money and your money working at the grocery store and so forth. He said, "Uh, you want me to go with you? And I said, no, I got this. I can really pick out a good one. So I found a really cool looking car that was within my budget, it's called a Ford Granada. Now a Ford Granada was supposed to be the Mercedes Benz, you know, of America. I don't know, I read that somewhere and I thought this has gotta be an awesome car. But it didn't take too long after I bought it and my dad said, son I wish I'd have gone with you, I wish you'd have let me help you with this decision. And if you drive a Ford, hey, I mean, bless, you, bless your heart. No, that didn't come out right. I mean, bless you. God bless you if you're driving a Ford. But anyway, a Ford Granada, my dad renamed it the grenade. He said, this thing seems like it's going to explode because after a while, it started whining. And every time I'd get in, be, you know, I, I thought, what is that? And my dad said, son, it's a transmission. It's just about to go out. And so I don't want the church... I don't want the disciples we who know Christ I don't want us to falter in this moment in our nation I believe this can be the greatest moment the greatest opportunity that we have to present the gospel to people who are looking for hope to people who are looking for forgiveness to people who are looking for guidance and so I would like to invite you to stand with me as we read through this wonderful chapter and uh, after we read the chapter I'll just kind of say a few things about it but let's read through it and then we're going to ask the lord as like a spiritual mechanic to look under the hood look under the hood of my heart your heart of all of our lives look under the hood of our church and and make any necessary adjustments repairs even rebuild the transmission if he wants to but this is what will take us forward in 2021 now after the sabbath Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen. As he said, come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples and behold jesus met them and said greetings and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him and then jesus said to them do not be afraid go and tell my brothers to go to galilee and there they will see me while they were going Behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people. His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep him out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So therefore, go therefore, And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much. We don't know what uh, is ahead in 2021. But with a passage like this, we know you're out front of us. You've already seen what's coming in 2021, and you can prepare us. But Not only that, you can use us. You can use every person in this room if we will just simply yield our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to follow you. Thank you once again so much for Spencer and Mitchell for just the decision that they made today to say, you know what, I've been a Christian for a while, but this is something I've overlooked and I haven't done yet. Thank you so much for their witness and testimony today. Thank you for that work you're doing in their lives. But, Lord, you're doing a work in all of our lives. Some of us are aware of it, and some of us have no idea that it's you. And so, Lord, speak to us as we go through this passage because, Lord, I really believe you gave me this message this week that confirms we, as your disciples, we're the ones who will determine if things move forward this year. And so help us to do our part. We depend upon you, yes, but Lord, you're looking to us to fulfill our responsibilities. And so help us, O oh Lord, to be obedient, to do what we're supposed to do, to surrender to you and stay connected to you. And great things are gonna happen this year. And we will give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. A car's transmission transforms power from the engine into something called torque. It's a twisting motion that twists. And so torque is whenever something is making that item that is spinning to turn and turn and it makes something move forward. Without that, there's no movement and no power. And so what I want us to look at first is, what is our power? If we are similar to a transmission of an automobile, then what is it that empowers us? Well, I believe it's the Lord. And so I want us to look at this passage and consider who empowers the church, who empowers disciples so that we can fulfill our God-given mission. Let's review verses one through six, and then we'll drop down and pick up verse 18 as well. But I believe that the power is demonstrated in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about what is being said in verse 6 when he says, I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. See, there's a fact that even people outside of the Bible, even secular historians, they're willing to acknowledge there really was a historical Jesus, and he really did die. And so just think about how he really did die. But think about all the people you have known who really did die they were, they were gone for at least three days, and then they came back from the dead. How many would you say you've known in your lifetime? None. See, that's what's so unique about the Lord Jesus Christ. It demonstrates that he's the Son of God, the force that brought him up from the grave. This world has no idea that kind of power. That's the kind of power that empowers us as his people. You can also look at verses 2, 3, and 4 where it describes this angel. Think about the ability of the unseen spiritual world. Do you believe this is it? Or do you believe that there's a spiritual dimension, there's a spiritual realm that is all around this church, around your life, that's where you work, that's where you go to have entertainment and fun? Do you believe that God is watching? Do you believe that the angels are there? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is working in powerful ways all around us even across our country around the world i want you to know that the angel this revelation that comes out through scripture that don't forget there is a spiritual realm there are angels god is working god's really there i think all of this demonstrates once again the tremendous power that almighty god has just think about the angel and how he moved the stone. I don't know if you've ever done any research. Do your own research on this. That stone that that blocked tombs back then probably weighed in the neighborhood of 2,000 pounds. When's the last time you moved 2,000 pounds by yourself? This angel, it says, moved the stone. But there's one other key thing that you need to know. Back then, the stone was sort of like on a slope. And so whenever they place a body in that tomb, Then they removed some wedges or whatever they had under that stone, and then they carefully, with the help of several, they let that stone come down that slope over the entrance to that tomb. And so whoever removed the stone pushed it uphill, is my point. Whoever removed it took 2,000 pounds and pushed it up a slight slope. So think about the tremendous ability. Think about the appearance of this angel. What does it say Look like? Lightning. You see, these were trained guards. I'm sure that knowing who Jesus was, they were not gonna put the the lowest guys on the totem pole in terms of the guards to guard this man's tomb. No, they were gonna put the elite, their best. And so just think about these guards who were seasoned and trained. Now it says that they feared, they trembled. They became like dead men. They were so frozen in place. And I'm thinking, wow, This is an incredible power that moved that stone. The women didn't even know how they were going to do it. They thought, well, we want to add the spices and all the different things to his body, but who will remove the stone? Well, God took care of that part. Of course, if you drop down to verse 18, when Jesus is talking to the disciples, he says to them that he has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, and it has been given to him all authority heaven and earth let that sink in i mean if his authority is only up there then hey you know it doesn't apply down here it's not relevant down here right but he says he has all the authority up there in heaven and down here on earth doesn't that take pressure doesn't that make you want to worship him it certainly did them to say you mean you're in control down here as well as up there you see, authority is different from power. Authority means you can determine how power is used. You have all the power, yes, but authority means you can determine how that power is used. And Matthew was so fascinated with it, he mentions the authority of Jesus Christ probably about five different times as he goes through the Gospels. But I want us to move on from looking at the power of transmission, the power that's going to enable you and I to look at the parts. You know, the transmission of an automobile depends on what size, of course, the car is, but it can weigh, just the transmission can weigh anywhere from 100 pounds, maybe to 400 pounds. It can cost perhaps in the neighborhood of $3,000 to totally get the whole unit and so forth. And so I'm not just thinking about the weight of it, and I'm not just thinking about the cost of it but I'm thinking about intricate. You know, the ones who designed the transmission, it's amazing to think of the the insight that they had to to make a transmission because inside the transmission, there are gears, there are bands, there are clutches, there's a shaft, there's bearings, there's even something called an impeller. And now I'm out of my league because I don't even know what an impeller is. So I'm just thinking, think about all those different parts, okay? You know what the church if it is indeed like a transmission it's got a lot of parts we all serve the lord together and together it's amazing what you can do if you got one disciple by himself he can accomplish she can accomplish quite a bit because the lord is with them but when you say no we're going to work together as disciples something incredibly power powerful is happening then I thought it was interesting how his disciples is mentioned like about five times throughout this chapter. I don't know if you caught it, but if you were to go back and circle the word disciple, every time it was used, it was used about five times. One time Jesus even says, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, talking about how we're a family. That's why when I write you on email, I'd say, church family, this is who we need to pray for. There's something that can happen whenever God's people unite. And they're not fragmented. They're not polarized from one another, but they unite. You see, there's not only the identification of the parts called disciples or brothers, sisters in Christ. There's also this connection between the parts. You see, those two women knew that he had risen, right? But isn't it interesting that the the direction was go back to the other disciples? Go back to the other disciples. They could have just gone off and said, boy, isn't it great? that he's alive. And that's what you could do. You could say, I don't have to work with the church. I don't have to work with other disciples. I don't need to connect with anyone else. But I just want you to know that the New Testament example is he's bringing disciples together. He's bringing disciples together. And then when Paul starts making disciples, you know what he did? He gathered them into local churches. And so that's what all of the letters are for. You know, all the letters in the New Testament. And so I'm thinking, isn't it neat that in verse 17, it's corporate worship. There's not just one person worshiping the Lord. Oh, no, it's all of those disciples in verse 17. And they're called together on something called, get this, the great commission. Why is it called commission? Because we do it together. We don't do it separately and individually. God uses us together. And notice how he's even got a certain place. That he wanted them to go. Do you think that it's just sort of, I don't know, just happen chance? That Galilee is mentioned three times in this chapter? I don't believe it's happen chance at all. You see, I believe God had a specific place that he was going to meet those disciples. And so three times it mentions Galilee, Galilee, Galilee. And you know what? I think God has a special place for you and for me. There's a certain place he wants you to plug in. And to receive the fellowship and that spiritual nutrition that you need, yes. But also, you know what? He's going to use you. He's going to use you in a powerful way. You know, 1 Corinthians 12, 18 is talking about the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 18. And you know what it says about the body of Christ? It says that God arranged the members as he chose. God arranged the members as he chose. And so it's no mistake. It's not luck or chance that you're here, that God has you here. I believe God wants to use you here. So that's the parts of the transmission. We saw the power of the transmission. But now let's move on to the third thing, the pump. There is a pump within a transmission. It circulates this transmission fluid. And that fluid has a very specific purpose. There's actually several different parts of the purpose but it lubricates the parts, it cleans and protects metal surfaces, it even plays a role to play in keeping the engine cooler because it can get really hot under the hood. Well, the body of Christ needs a continuous circulation of something coming through the body of Christ. You know what that is? Grace. We need grace just circulating. We need grace and we need truth. Just circulating constantly as we're on mission for the Lord. So if that's true, then what is it that would circulate the right kinds of things? Grace, truth, through our lives. I want to mention three pumps that I see in scripture. The first one is not mentioned here per se. It is down there in the baptizing. But the Holy Spirit. Did you know that Jesus actually said the Holy Spirit is like a well? Well, living within us. John 7, verses 37 through 39. He said, it's like living waters will come up from inside of us. See, if you thought that Christianity was just a religion, that's where it's a a presumption. It's not true. Christianity is more than a religion. It's a relationship where God comes to live within us and he's actually helping us as we go through life. And so there's this pump that the Holy Spirit is constantly working the fresh life of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in this passage, I also see the pump of the word, the pump of the word. Yes, the work of the Holy Spirit is there, but there's also the word of God. You know, verse 6, verse 10, verse 20, they keep on reminding this, as he said, Jesus said, teach them to observe all that I commanded you. There's something very powerful Something very productive about the word of God as it circulates through the body of Christ, as it circulates through you. So that's why this year, 2021, maybe you've never considered meeting with God every morning or afternoon, evening, whatever's best for you. But I'm just saying, take some time to read in the word and God will really speak to you through his word. It's like a pump. Scripture will keep you cool. It'll keep you clean. There are promises and principles and precepts in there. But there's also the pump of worship. You see it in verse 9. You see it in verse 17. Over and over again, they're falling down and worshiping him, praising him. As we praise the Lord, you know what happens? It renews our focus and our mind on who God is. Sometimes we think God's our size. Sometimes I think we think we're bigger than God. But when you worship him, suddenly you realize Whoa, man, are you great. Wow, God, are you good. Wow, are you gracious. So many wonderful things God speaks to us as we worship him together, worshiping in spirit and in truth. So let's move on from the power and the parts and the pump. There's one other thing that can happen to a transmission. I alluded to it earlier with the grenade. Problems, problems with the transmission. You know, a car can develop certain problems with the transmission. It can, it can leak, it can whine, like I mentioned, it can even grind, it can slip, it can even have a burnt smell. All of these are indications, hey, you better get this checked out, you've not been maintaining the transmission the way you should. You know, Matthew 28, 10 through 17, touches on three common challenges that I believe that disciples face maybe maybe you've been facing one of these three sometimes i think the mission kind of grinds to a halt whenever the people of god are dismayed when we're afraid when we're discouraged dismay can be a hindrance to the mission if you look at this passage closely in verse 5 if you look down in verse 10 one time the angel one time jesus he has to say it two times they had to be reminded don't be afraid do not be afraid And so twice the Lord is trying to say, if you're afraid, disciples, the mission is not going to go forward. Move, move. Don't give him your fears and trust him with the unknowns. But there's also deceit in verses 11 and 12, 13, 14, 15. You can obviously see deceit can be a hurdle to missions. Deceit. You know, it's no wonder that five times in the New Testament, hypocrisy is called out. You know, on Wednesday nights, we're going through 1 Peter. In 1 Peter 2, 1, we looked at it this past Wednesday night, and it says that we should put away deceit. We should put away hypocrisy. We should put away malice. We should put away envy. We should put away slander. You see, isn't it interesting? I mean, if you just slow the tape down and look at what these guys are paying them off to say, it doesn't even make sense, does it? I mean, would you say that a credible witness is going to stand in a court of law, and they're going to say, okay, I'll take the oath, you know, and so forth. So this is a credible witness. They're going to say, oh, yeah, I know it happened. How do you know it happened? What happened while I was sleeping? <laughs> really? Happened while you were sleeping? That's what they told them you should say. You should say that while you were sleeping, they came and took the, the, the body of the Lord Jesus out of the tomb. Really? How do you know what happened while you were sleeping? How do you know his disciples? You see the, how it doesn't even add up. You know, Mark Twain said something a long time ago that stood out to me, and I thought, yeah, I've heard, I've heard that quote before. But Mark Twain says that a lie is so fast that a lie can go all the way around the world while the truth is still getting its boots on and lacing up its boots. There's something about human nature that we prefer to believe a lie rather than just trusting the Lord on the truth. And so I'm thinking, we should say, Lord, I don't want any deceit. I don't want any hypocrisy. I don't want any lying, any double living. Lord, I want to live for you as we go into 2021. So put away dismay or deceit. That can be a problem for the mission. Another one could be doubt. You get down to verse 17, and there's a strange inclusion here where it's talking about how, you know, some of them are worshiping him in verse 17, but some doubted. It can mean hesitated, but are there doubts and hesitations in your life? If you don't settle that between you and God, you're never going to proclaim him because you have to know that he is and that he loves you. Know that he's got the best plan for your life before you're going to move forward with him. It'll be a problem for the transmission. Well, let me give this final closing one, and that is the purpose of the transmission. You know, there is a purpose for his disciples. It's mentioned down there in verses 18 and 19 and 20. But in a nutshell, let me just remind you, in a nutshell, I'm no mechanic, okay? So I don't know anything about it. I'll admit that to you. But the one thing I do know, I do know that a transmission makes a car go forward. I know that. So what about a church? Isn't the Great Commission going to move forward whenever the disciples say, this is what we are called to do. This is what we're going to give ourselves to do this year. So let's look at what God says all of us are called to do as we look at verses 19 and 20 and 18, where Jesus came and said to them, verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. There are no stipulations. This is his will. This is what God wants us to do, not just in 2020, in 2021, and if the Lord tarries in 2022. This is what God wants us to be about, so I started looking at it and I thought, I can really sum up the purpose for the church, the purpose for a disciple in these words. Remember these five things. Number one, our purpose is to exalt the Lord in worship. You and I were made to glorify God. You want to know why you were made? You were made to praise him. You are made to glorify him. You were not made for self. You were not made for anybody else. You are made for God. And so we exalt him. Whatever you do, whatever... Occupation. If you're still a student, wherever you go, just praise him, exalt him, glorify him. That's part of what they realized when they were there worshiping him was this is our purpose to exalt Christ. The second thing is to evangelize the world with the gospel. When you get down to verse 19, he says, go. It's a very simple verb. Go, go. It means as you're going. But we do have to go. So we can't shut down. If you can't do something because of a pandemic, find a way. There are so many ways to get the gospel message out there, but we do have to evangelize the world with the gospel. He talks about all the nations. I thought about not only exalting the Lord and sharing the gospel with the world, but also establish disciples in the word, Establish disciples in the word. When I was in college, I read a book by Leroy Imes of Navigators. And in the book was called, Disciples are Made, Not Born. Disciples are made, not born. We have to develop and train and establish disciples in the word. He says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. There's something we do whenever we partner with God and say, I'm going to help this new Christian to grow this year. And of course, to encourage connection to a church. You know, it talks about baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit so i think we're connected to one another through this decision to okay i'm going to identify publicly i'm not going to just be baptized in my bathtub at home you know with just my family there around i'm going to not be ashamed of christ and i'm going to publicly identify i'm on his team when i was meeting with mitchell and spence this week i said to them you know there was a friend of mine in canada and he used to compare baptism to like a jersey. And he said, it's like you're wearing your team's jersey whenever you publicly are willing to be baptized. You know, I mean, I said to them, do you think that somebody could play for the Bobcats? Do you think that somebody could play for the Cougars if they're gonna wear, say, a University of Tennessee jersey? If I'll play for you if I can just wear a UT jersey or if I can just play, wear an Alabama jersey, you know, whatever. And I'm thinking, no. No, you have to identify with somebody. And that's what baptism says is I am on the Lord's team. We are the Lord's team. And so isn't it great that we can play, we can be in this game, we can serve together, taking the great commission and so encourage one another when there's this connection to the church. And the last one is equip members for ministry. You know, I think it's very important that we coach one another. That we help one another to apply apply scripture to daily life that we tell people god's got a purpose for your life god can use you so this morning what i'd like to do in the invitation is a little bit different than what i typically do i want you to stand with me if you would and i want to ask you a series of questions i don't want you to come forward or anything like that but if you would stand thank you so much I just want to ask you some questions, and I want you to just talk to God, okay? Not out loud, just privately, you know, as you respond to each question that I want to ask you. But I'm going to invite you to respond to what we just looked at and to say, Lord, in 2021, I want to be on mission with you. I want to do my part of being like a transmission that gets things moving forward wherever I am. So here's the first question. Will you say... Will you ask the Lord right now to empower you to carry out his will this year? If so, just tell him. Just say, God, would you please give me strength? Would you please empower me so that I could carry out your will this year in 2021? That's the first question. The second question is, would you express to him your willingness to live as a disciple in the place he has for you? It's not the same for everybody. It may be a different place, a different place in the body of Christ, maybe not even in Columbus. Some of you are going to be leaving to go back to school, to university. So would you say, Lord, I'm willing to live as a disciple where you've planted me, where you want me in the coming year? Well, let's go to the third question. Would you then ask the Lord to send grace to you, to send comfort to you, to send truth to you? to send guidance, to send hope, so that all throughout the year, those pumps, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and worship, they're all kind of circulating all of these wonderful things through you so that you don't dry up on the inside. Let's go to the fourth thing. Next, I want you to ask the Lord to identify any hidden obstacles that are in your life that may be blocking you from the mission that God has for you. God's got somebody that you're going to make a difference in. So would you say to him, Lord, is there anything that's like a hidden obstacle blocking me from, from reaching my full potential that you have for my life? I believe he can show you as you go through this year. Well, Let me give you one last one. Would you resolve right now before him to move forward with the Lord's purposes and let me review them once again. To Say, Lord, I want to move forward in exalting you, glorifying you. Lord, I want to move forward with sharing the gospel with our world, however I can do that. Another one, establishing disciples in the word. Is there somebody you could teach? Somebody you could influence? Somebody you could inspire and encourage? Would you say, Lord, help me encourage others to stay connected to the body of Christ? You know... Don't depend on just the pastor, just the staff. You say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let somebody know I've missed seeing them lately. And then the last thing is, would you also say, I want to help others by helping them be equipped so that they can not only apply the, life, the, the Christian life, but also to be able to serve you, Lord, in the future.